Welcome back to another Seahawks Nest episode, Seahawks fans. I'm joined, as always, by the Drax the Destroyer to my Rocket Raccoon. That's Kevin Garber. Kevin had nothing. Yes. <laughs> and the Groot to my Rocket, yeah. Eric Ronnebeck. Which one of us is the badass and which one of us is the big dummy? That's me. Yeah, well, I mean, you're you're really tall. That's why I went there. And, and, and you notice that I made none of us Star Lord because none of us are cool enough. All right, so <laughs> so uh, I'm uh, I'm Nathan Sano, and we're going to talk a little bit about Seahawks versus Rams going into the game. Two people, two people. They didn't have the faith. They had lost their way. Wait, didn't, didn't no, think I was, was just only one Eric. person. Oh, one person. Yeah, I'm ready. Yeah. No, two people. One had confused the faith. person. I was kind of hoping you'd forget And about one that. person who didn't this have. Why, this is why I couldn't be Star Lord. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the two. One person had, had lost. With the your faith. vocabularies Eric, and such. Eric, did the yeah. Seahawks prove anything to you this week? Um, you know they did. I, for those that need a refresher, I chose the Rams to win this game because the Rams have a more high-powered offense than the Seahawks. I like the see. Uh, you know, Kevin. The Seahawks have a very good defense, but we are playing on the road. And let's face it, this the Seahawks team has no continuity on offense, and that's an understatement. And to say they have continuity on defense, it's true, but not when they're on the field all the time. So I didn't expect the offense of the Hawks to do anything. What did I learn from this game? Nathan's basically asking. Uh-huh. We have a running game. Yeah. We have a blocking game at times, which is, you know, it's kind of a joke to say that. But it's better than last year. There's still some huge deficiencies that we will continue to talk about. Hopefully we'll stop. It'll get fixed. But, you know, we'll talk about it today. We've talked about it before. Uh, And man, oh, man, Earl Thomas. uh, He's one of the three stars in this game. He is one of my favorite players. And he he may have single-handedly won us this game. And Eric, you Earl said, really good at football. You said something there. You said we have a running game. I the actual running game wasn't good. I think what you're referencing is what we call the secret running game, which is the short pass game. <laughs> the short pass game was back with a vengeance. No, no, no. When I say running game, like the we, secret I'm, running our game, longest run, is, our longest running. No, whoa, whoa. I'm not talking about passes. stats for like oh, okay. 100 yards. I'm saying we have a game that we can then alternate passes off that. That's true. And it, I mean, on third and two, when we needed two yards, we got two yards. You're right. Exactly. There was play there. They, they can trust the run game to do. Sean stuff. Alexander, Marshawn Lynch, but, but last the short, year's Thomas Rawls—they're all gone. The short pass game was back, man. Like the short pass game, we had so many successful short passes, in, in which is crazy. The the offense was totally uh, different. The offense was uh, bad, though. I think overall, if I had to great describe the offense in the word, it was bad against this pass rush, though. Against we, LA, sure, I we, feel we had to there do are something. Some small victories. Yeah, LA's defense is not an elite defense anymore. No, but they still have and Aaron can't Donald. Treat it that way, and they still have a great pass rush. And against this, well, they have Aaron Donald. Their pass rush has gotten home a lot against a lot of bad teams. So that means that we're another bad offense. That's still look at the league, Kevin. I, the league is down, and I feel like that you can't just say the Rams are they're a middling defensive line. No, the Rams are better than that. They may not, they're not what they were. They're not. Um, they're not. They're not quite back to Jeff Fisher greatness. <laughs> I knew you'd love that. But they. Uh, I mean, come on. The, the Rams deserve yeah. some respect. Um, yeah, the Rams. The, if one aspect of the Rams deserves respect, it's the defensive line. That it's a good defensive line. Uh, let's go ahead and uh, roll in right with the Seahawks offense, since we're already kind of there. Um, the Seahawks offense. Uh, they were. They had to be efficient in the very few opportunities they were given. Right. Yes. We all agree on that. Like they. They were forced into a situation where they had to just make the most of that situation. Uh, they had 17 third downs, and they converted eight, which is not great, but it's much better than this team has done the rest of the it's season. It's a functional number. And the biggest problem for me was this, that the fact that we were never able to create any big plays. Um, and for us to really function at the top level as a team, like you're going to need to make big plays. We cannot rely on taking a, an offense that is even decent and holding them to only 10 points over and over. That's unsustainable. Yeah, that's what we talked about last year when we were asking the defense to play perfect every week. You can't ask the defense to play perfect every week. I mean, it got us to the playoffs, but it really was not a recipe for success. And I mean, from the se- in the second half, this defense pitched a shutout. Like yeah. they were incredible in the second half, and so that that's that's something that we're going to have to really focus on is like get the offense to a point where we can do that. Now there is ways we can improve the offense, and one of them might be a free agent pickup. Uh, 
there's a rumor going around that we might pick up Brandon Albert, that we worked out Brandon Albert, the uh, former Miami Dolphins pro bowler, and then the guy who got beat by beat by Dante Fowler so bad in practice, he retired from the Jaguars, then realized he would lose a bunch of money, so unretired, and the Jaguars were like, we don't want you anyway, and they cut him. That's a win-win right there. So. Yeah. So uh, that that's a guy that we could bring in that would he would be an instant upgrade for the whole offensive line. Well, let's put it in perspective. That'd be picking up Brian, Brandon Albert. He would slot in at left tackle, left tackle where we have Riso Diombo, who is what the fifth worst offensive tackle in the NFL according to Pro Football Focus. He's given up the second most pressures out of any offensive tackle um, behind Breno Giacomini, I believe. Um, so. We have Breno Giacomini playing left tackle, and we'd be going to Brandon Albert. Yeah, that's like that's like a huge. Yeah, we're going because I think uh, I think upgrade. we can agree that Brandon uh, the Brandon Alberts is at worst is going to be a middling left tackle. Why hasn't anyone picked him up? Because he's a head case. Okay. Yeah, the heart. It's the heart thing. He quit. He quit playing because he because he got beat in practice twice in a row, and he uh, didn't want to report anyway after the trade. It was like very. It was very weird. Um, so the whole thing. He had his worst season last year too. He had his PFF grade last year was forty nine, which, which is still be an upgrade. Which is like so what's Reci- what's Riccio Diombo at this year? Um, gosh, I, I want to say it's like forty two. Uh, one thing to think about for for um, for Brandon Albert too is that Brandon Albert he he went from being a ninety seven. So I mean. It was a pretty big drop off last year. He's only two years removed from being in the nineties. By the way, Riso Diombo, twenty six point five. Oh my god, that's worse. So yeah, so much worse. Forty six is almost twice as good, and it's still <laughs> bad. Forty six is really bad. He might only give up five pressures a game. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that would be a huge a huge boost to the offense. I think it would just give them a thing because I mean, so far, what, Ethan Posich, we're not using him except for kick returns, and uh, <laughs> and I mean that in the most literal way. He returned to kick this game. Just got versatility on the line. Yeah. And so he's he's basically they're they're using him as a super backup. Yep. And I mean I guess that's cool. The other side of that is there's rumors that we came in and worked out Brandon Albert in order to reduce Houston's asking price for Dwayne Brown. They're all pro left tackle, and it's possible that we might be trying to deal for Dwayne Brown, who's someone we looked into before. Let me ask you this though: and he's why, in the middle of a holdout. I've heard about this, Kevin. Why would Houston trade? Their left tackle they because are, he's holding out, not planning on coming back. Yeah, he's not playing. I know he's not playing, but I don't know. This is a team that's primed for the playoffs. I would, I would think he has a chance of, of coming back before it's uh, what the eight week deadline. Here's my here's my take on the whole thing. Why not both? I mean, we have two open tackle spots. They both they would both be an upgrade over our tackles. If Brandon Albert played right tackle and uh, Dwayne, Dwayne Brown played left tackle, this offensive line would go from. 20, what are they right now, Kevin? 27th? 27th in the league, according to Pro Football Focus, to, to I would say, at least 15th. Yep. There's no way that they, that it would be a dumpster fire like it is now. All right, second part question. Do we have the cap space? Because we've already signed two of the three guys we thought we would, uh, saying that we would let Jimmy Graham go because we don't have the money to re-sign him. Well, a lot That's of those where we would have to get creative. A lot of the stuff is, is extensions that we've done so far, so we'd still have... The payroll for this year. Right now, our salary cap stands at three million in cap space. Um, we could create cap space by cutting. Um, who's the guy we could create the most cap space by? Jimmy. Um, but we're not cutting. Jimmy. We're not cutting. Jimmy we're either here. trading Jimmy or keeping Jimmy. Um, I'm just going to be insensitive. I'm. I'm not saying I want this to happen. Cliff Averill may never play again. How much money would we get by cutting Cliff Averill, giving him an injury settlement? Uh, Cliff Averill. Has, um, not a lot actually. Five and a half left in dead cap, and he's making five and a half this year. So nothing. Nothing. There's no savings this year, but next year we'd save seven and a half million. So that that's good. <laughs> I guess. I mean, I I want Cliff to come back, but more so I want Cliff to live. Yeah, there's not a lot of there's actually not a lot of interesting ways for us to create cap. Uh, yeah, we'd have to deal someone making money. Jimmy Jimmy Graham's. Dead cap now is is full too because because he got past the certain date or whatever, right? So like we we really can't save a ton of money anymore. Um, yeah, that's that's the uh, the Seahawks are pretty much they have three million in cap, so they'd have to they'd have to trade a player in this trade too. Um, I don't know who that would be. I'm not sure who I don't know who they would want back. 
maybe it's Jimmy. Maybe they're asking for Jimmy, or maybe they're asking for because we we ate up all our cap space in the Sheldon Richardson trade. Is basically what happened. Is we he's eight million dollars, like that. So that was like we had that was like four million more than what Curse was making. So there goes four million of our cap. Yeah, we'd have to be dealing either like Jimmy, KJ, someone like that. We'd be dealing a key member of our team. Yeah, and like I mean, we have a bunch of cap tied up in guys who like aren't on the team anymore, like Atiya Rubin and Jamarcus Webb. We're still paying him six hundred thousand dollars this year. Uh, Jermaine Curse is getting one point eight million dollars from us this year. Malik McDowell is getting uh, over a million dollars from us. So there's a bunch of little things like that. That's, that's it's all kind of adding up. Um, Deion Jordan is counting towards our cap six hundred thousand. Deshaun Shedd is counting towards our cap. That makes that Dwayne Brown trade much less likely, but that makes that Brown and Albert signing still much, really in the realm of possibility. How much is Dwayne Brown making this year? Is the real question because if Dwayne Brown right now, I think he's making a decent chunk, yeah, like eight nine point seven, yeah uh, nine point four million dollars, and he's holding out, which means we'd have to pay. Him. Well, but the thing is, if we can, we ex- could pay him in the future, kind of thing. Paying in the future is fine because if Jimmy coming off the books for ten. Um, next year gives us a lot of flexibility to to do something like to do something like and Sheldon that. Richardson possibly coming off the books. Um, yeah, we're resigning Sheldon Richardson. I think. That's the plan for sure, and I would think that he would want to. I mean, with Malik coming back, maybe that's what they don't they don't feel like they need to. But I mean, he has come in and immediately had a huge impact in terms of and he's still quality young. of play. He's twenty six. Um, he's twenty six. Yeah, we, I'd say pay him if we can get him for, for around ten million dollars a year. He's definitely worth it. Um, any more than that, and it does start to get any little, more than that. That third little, round pick looks tempting because di- we would get a third for him. A little dicey to me. The guy, the defensive tackles who make over ten million dollars is a list that there's there's three really crappy guys on there, and then the other guys are very very good. Nadam Kansu, Marcel Darius, Malik Jackson, Gerald McCoy, Michael Brockers, like those guys, those five guys. He's in that conversation, so that's about where he should get paid. So if we can get him in under Brockers, I think that's a good deal. If not, yeah, we'll probably have to move on. Because he's definitely better than every all all these guys except for J- maybe Jarrell Casey. I love Jarrell Casey. Well, maybe we'll get a maybe we'll get a Cliff Averill deal for him. Yeah, Probably you know what? Get Cliff, Cliff, for him. Cliff Averill's like, yeah, I just like having eight million dollars. It's fine. It's fine. It's plenty of money. <laughs> he's gonna be such a good defensive lines coach. Cliff Averill. He's yeah, just he knows he knows, knows how to the game. Rush the passer. Like he's so good at that. Anyway, uh, going back to this last game, looking at the offense, a couple of trends that I'd like to point out. Uh, Thomas Rawls got the bulk of snaps. He played 47% of the snaps, which I think is uh, interesting. But equally interesting, uh, J.D. McKissick played 18 snaps, which is 26%. So McKissick was on the field a lot. And there were a number of times where we had him and another running back on the field at the same time. Yeah, I mean, McKissick played a lot. Darbo played a lot. Vanette played quite a bit. Yeah, 29% is, of snaps. Which uh, he, he got 20 snaps. Uh, they, they, uh, they're they mixing up the usage of these guys a lot, and I think it's good for everyone. Like, none of these wide receivers went over 72% in terms of uh, – or none of the skill position players. So they're mixing up the looks, which is what this team needs to do because they have a lot of skill position players, and they're all kind of – a lot of them are all kind of good, right? Yeah. So you just mix up the looks, change the looks every time, and make it difficult for the other team to figure out what you're doing. You know, I thought there was another thing that we talked about that's interesting, and you guys can chime in on this. I thought our tight end usage was really interesting. Vanette got more snaps. Uh, Jimmy Graham got split out wide as a re- receiver more often. And Heavily, we brought right, in Kevin? Matt to- yes. And we brought in Matt Tobin um, for heavy sets where he was playing basically a blocking tight end. And those are all kind of more interesting ways to use that position that we've been doing lately. So that could signal an interesting change to the offense. Uh, to chime in, Kevin, uh, first of all, like you said, Jimmy Graham was, uh, do we have the number 95, 90% of the time he was out as a wide receiver? Uh, it was very heavy. Something like, Twitter was throwing around like a 91% number, but I couldn't find anything to verify. Okay. I didn't, one of those just threw out a percentage in comments. Uh, I... I didn't mind it. I think it's something to to grow on, something to to move forward with. I felt at times it slowed us down in this game. Uh, seeing Tobin reporting is eligible, and then we would get stuffed. There were times in this game that I didn't like the three tight end set, but this is the first time we've really you know run it with some consistency. I think it's something to look forward to. Yeah, we have three tight ends who are athletically gifted, so there's no reason not to try to get them all on the field at the same time and and make people mess up. Right? There's Putting Wilson and Graham outside 
in a three tight end set, all of a sudden having him split out, and then maybe having McKissick as the running back and having him split out too. All of a sudden, we went from a from a uh, you know three a heavy, set. a heavy set to like a really aggressive passing set, and teams are gonna have trouble covering that, right? Like one of those guys is gonna end up on either a small cornerback or a slow linebacker, and that's really good for us. So I, I I would be excited to see the Seahawks try to be a little more creative like that. They have two weeks to figure this out. Yep, that's that bye a, week's good. That's what's good. This is a good time to have a bye because we at the beginning of the season, if you asked me, hey, the Seahawks get through these first five games, what record do you want them to have? And I would have said three and two. I said three and two is realistic. We have to go on the road to the Titans, and they're getting better. We have to go on the road to the Rams, and we have to play a very tough Green Bay team on the road. If we can win three of those games, win both home games and then one of the road games, I'm happy about that. So, I I mean, yeah, they blew their margin for error in the first two games, but they won this one. And the team is right where I would want them to be, sitting at three and two. Guys, yeah, they're primed for a run. Yeah. Um, again, going back to the offense, uh, before we get into Russ, because I think we have to talk about Russ, it's time to talk to your children about Russ. <laughs> the offensive line watch, very quickly. A Fetty... Had a pretty good game. Afedi was respectable in this game. Yeah, he had like one really big blown play, but that was it. The rest of the game, he was fine. He was yeah. league average. Which he, had, is... he also had a penalty. He had a holding penalty that was not good. But yeah, he was fine. Um, Jokel was okay. He had a couple of misassignments. Britt was okay. Abushi had his worst game that he's had yeah. for our team so far. Abushi missed a couple of run blocks. Had a couple of big misses in the passing game. And Odiambo... To steal the words right from CBS's announcer, Odiombo really dicked Russell Wilson in this game. <laughs> you yeah, said I, that was on the audio. I missed it. Yeah, I, that, was, I did, that was live. I did not enjoy uh, Odiombo's performance, but, I mean, what do you expect? He's coming off a serious injury, and he's already not really that good. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, yeah, he was, like, in the hospital last week, and now we are expecting him to play super good? I don't know. It just, you had to, you had I think to it speaks to the desperate and dire situation we are in at tackle. We need to we need to get one of those two guys, Dwayne Brown or Brandon Albert. Like they need to end up on this roster by next week. Yeah, there's no two ways about it. Um, that's uh, that's all the notes I have for offense. The offense is is okay, but there's still significant problems. That's, I think we need to talk about Russ. Okay, Russell Wilson. Um, he's still dropping his arm super low on throws, taking a long windup, and he doesn't have the zip on his throws like he did in the past. Any anything else? He drops uh, back too far. Just, I have lots of complaints. Just to just to <laughs> simplify this, because I feel like that's part of my job on this podcast. Uh, Nathan has been watching a lot of film. We watched some film together tonight, and Russ is slow when he releases the football. He's bringing the ball down further. If this is a big thing, with he's winding points. up. Right, he's winding up. Yeah, it's like he will take the the ball down towards his hip, very very slowly, not in quick Russ fashion. Will bring it like you know you're throwing a football. It's like if you were to go outside and throw a football. The reason why these guys are so good is because they're accurate, they're strong, and they're fast in release. Have we timed Russ's release? Russ's release is about uh, a quarter to half a second slower. That's a big deal in the National Football League. It sounds like it's it's milliseconds, but that's a big deal. And you can see it when you watch film. The other thing is, and so I, and Nathan and Eric, you can chime in on this if you want. The reason why a quarterback usually winds up is because they lack arm strength. That's what you saw with, like, Tim Tebow. Or, like, end-of-career Peyton Manning. End-of-career Peyton Manning. Byron Leftwich is the one that always makes Chad, me laugh. Chad Pennington. Chad, Chad Pennington, Pennington was a criminal overwinder. Chad upper. Pennington looked like he was playing air guitar when he would try and throw the football. Right. Um, Russell Wilson should not be lacking arm strength. That's why Nathan's saying that there's probably a shoulder issue there. Because we've never known Russ to lack arm strength. And if you look... One of the plays that stood out to us, the uh, I think his name's John Johnson or Josh Johnson, the safety for the Rams, the interception of Russell Wilson on the sort of across the field play, there was no zip on that ball. Right, that was a, a duck. And the thing is, is that if he's gonna if you're gonna throw that ball that far across the field in that direction on that route, you need to throw that ball super hard, and it just wasn't there for him. And that's not what we're accustomed to seeing with Russell Wilson. There's there's clearly something going on, and he yeah, and then another thing I another bone I have to pick with him I guess is just the the number of steps he ta- steps he takes in his drops and how far the steps are. I yeah, Riso Diombo is not very good. Okay, <laughs> uh, yeah, he he seems like a great person. He's a good story, and I want him to have a long NFL career as our backup left tackle. 
I don't want him to start, but I want him to be the backup on the left side of if our line. If he's playing for many the years. Tobin role, that's fine. Yeah, he can play left guard and left tackle, so he's fine as a rotation player. Um, but when you drop back seven steps and you and you're ten yards behind the line of scrimmage, and you ha- are asking a guy of Reese Odiombo's limited skill set to try to block a, a left tackle of a much a much better left tackle, yeah, of course he gets a sack. Like, I don't know, like. The, it, it's it's either Russ's fault or it's it's what's more likely is it's the offensive coordinator's fault. Like we need to really tighten up what's going on in this offense because if Russ takes a seven step drop and it's that far behind the line of scrimmage, the tackles are hang, hung out to dry. There's nothing they can do to, to create a, a good angle there unless they're really good and they're not. They're not really good. That's just straight up a fact. Yeah. So, so I want to see either that. Russell say no. Russell needs to look at those uh, deep offensive coaches and say no. We're not doing plays like this anymore because they don't work with these with these tackles. I mean, he needs to be willing to stand up for for better offense. Or the we need to fire. I don't like the fire bevel train. I think that it's like it's a little short sighted. We had some great offenses under Daryl Bevel. Well, we talked about this. It's Bevel and it's Cable. Cable's responsible for the blocking scheme. Sure. And he's the run game coordinator. And to an extent, he's responsible for the verbiage in the blocking scheme as well. And what we are seeing are, and we talked about this, Nathan pointed it out, Eric and I both saw this as well, we are seeing <laughs> offensive linemen missing assignments don't know consistently, yeah. and Russell Wilson missing a need to change the coverage right. consistently. Like a guy standing really close to the line of scrimmage, you know, you adjust the protection, correct? Like that, I would think yes. that's what you do. And instead, like we'll the, pay Manning's the, for running, the running back will run straight out on a route, and the guy who the running back could have ran straight up on him, or at least chipped him, or something. Like, it make up for the deficiencies. Like, just keep guys in. Like, do or do the little things, right? Like, try to figure out where the pressure's coming. Shift from. protection to one side because it's clearly an overload. Start on yelling. That side. Start yelling before the play starts, and see where see where you think guys are going to come from. Right. That's what the that's what the other guys do. In that's what that Omaha garbage was. Yeah. yeah. This, he was, all he was trying to do was puzzle out where the rush was coming from. The thing that bothers me is we've talked about, like Kevin just brought up, you know, we've all seen the the blocks that the offensive linemen are missing. It's not like the other team is dialing up these, you know, brain scrambling blitzes. It can be as simple as a five man rush, and you know, Britt thinks he's taking the guy on the left, and Odiambo thinks Britt's taking the guy on the right, and all all of a sudden, someone just sneaks right through the line at top speed. Pins his ears back and destroys us. What was it? It was McKissick, I believe, on the run. It was one of the early run plays in the game. And Justin Britt was asked to do a reach block on Aaron Donald. Well, that was that was a, that was Lacey. That was Lacey. Yeah, Lacey okay. just got smashed. Lacey, right? Yeah, Lacey got crushed three yards <laughs> behind the line of scrimmage. And to explain to you, if you don't know what a reach block is, is exactly what it sounds like. So someone is starting off in a position where you, you are not head up on them. So uh, Britt is face is face up off of nobody. Perhaps the finest player in the the finest defensive player in the NFL. By yeah, the way, Aaron Donald against. is dead up over the top of Abushi. Abushi's being asked to crash down to the right, which would be against the defensive end. And they're asking Britt to get his hands in the way of Aaron Donald. And Aaron Donald hands. is having none of that. This guy gets double teamed with bodies, not not single handed with hands. He absolutely wrecks it, and I have no idea how on earth someone thought that play was going to work. That's yeah. just bad scheming. It's just that uh, it, I mean, if you, like you said, Tom Cable's the run game coach. That's a that's a horrible play. Um, I think that's enough for offense. We spent a ton of time on it. I think we all know what the team needs to do in the next two weeks, and hopefully they get it together. Maybe the re- maybe just the rest will help Russell, like with his shoulder and stuff. I do think he's hurting, and maybe just a couple weeks off, right? It might help Rawls too. Rawls is slow, exploding through yeah. the hole on run plays. If he can get a little bit of that burst back, then suddenly we have a three and a half yard per carry back instead of a two and a half. Something to think about. I like what you said about Rawls. I think that will help, this bye week will help him. I think that the bye week will help Tyler Lockett get a little more explosiveness. He's, yeah. he's getting it back week by week with Doug Russ. Too, right? Doug Baldwin, yeah. Uh, we talked about yes. watching the game that maybe he shouldn't have played this game. Uh, you know, he was he was uh, Our offense was, he was hurting. Up. felt but like we were risking his health. For I will say this, though, with Russ. Remember the whole 
uh, thing in the offseason before Sherman de- demanded to be traded where uh, Pete Carroll said that Richard Sherman was battling a bad knee all year. Was that it? The the, the injury that was yeah, never on the, the injury yeah, support? They, they, uh, they said it at the end of the year, and everyone was like, what? Really? Yeah, so Russ is not on the injury report, correct? Correct. So is... You will not hear a word about this for obvious reasons yeah. from the team. Because we're not trying to lose another draft pick. But yeah, if they if they quietly give him a shoulder surgery in the offseason, I would not I would be not surprised at to all. To clean up some tissue or something. Okay. You know. Okay. Standard arthroscopic surgery is the term that'll get used. Just want to throw it out there. Um and then uh before we go to the defense, I just want to give uh I want to give some props to uh to a special teams player. That is my friend, Blair Walsh. Three for three on field goals. Including two from forty, two from the, in the uh, forty-eight, forty-nine yard range. They were all important. All those field goals mattered. The last one, we needed all of them. Held my breath. It um, was good. Blair Walsh. Blair Walsh has made nine of ten kicks now, and I think if he continues at this pace, he's fine. <laughs> so there's, there's, I have no problems with current Blair Walsh, uh, this form in terms of, especially considering how little we're paying him. I would like to issue a formal apology to Blair Walsh because out of all of us on the podcast. I have the one who's been. I'm the one who's been probably the most merciless in my uh, objection to the move to get him, and he has been a bang average NFL kicker. Uh, Eight for nine field goals, nine for ten extra points. You know, you guys are just he going has been on solid. I appreciate that. I'm just going to finish it with you guys are both school teachers. You offer support to 12 year old kids all the time, and uh, that's Blair Walsh. So way to go, guys. <laughs> Yeah, I would say Blair Walsh was the. I mean, he's borderline player of the game in this, right? Like, yeah, I'm. Pro- if I'm probably actually thinking about, there's it, like four he's, defensive. He's players the fourth the star. I'm giving it to Earl. He's offensive player of the game. I'm, I'm giving it to Earl. Thank like, you. if I'm really thinking about it, but like, Blair Walsh. Clark. Blair Walsh is up there. Frank Clark, man, he has so many dumb penalties and stuff, though. Yeah, but oh my gosh, if Frank Clark is not the new Michael Frank- Bennett with Michael Bennett still on the team. Frank Clark is the most fun player to watch on tape. I'm not sure if he's like the best player on the defense yet. Frank Clark. <laughs> Does that make sense? The like, entire second half set the edge that shut down the lateral I run he game. Was, he was good in this game. He was excellent in this game, considering he was going against a arguably top three Justin, and certainly top five. Justin left Coleman has really established himself, except for that last drive. He was not good on that last Justin drive. Justin Coleman, I, I don't know. I didn't like Justin Coleman's game I in general. I thought Justin Coleman had a good game. I would Overall, say, yes. I think Justin Coleman might be the best slot corner we've had in a few years. Yeah, he's, I, he he's had definitely playing better than Jeremy Lane. He had two to he's three reliable. really, really bad plays that did not cost us in this game. Well, really? one cost us. Yeah. Well, I mean, the last drive had two of them. Kevin. The last drive, he was bad. I will, I'm will. i right on board with you yes, on that Yes, he one. could not handle the hurry up on the last drive. Outside of that, though, I thought he played a very good game. Shaq Griffin looked pretty good. He's still a rookie, and he made some mistakes, but the, I like the development. I think that by the time by this by this time next year, we'll be talking about Shaq Griffin as, as uh, one of the you know top 20 cornerbacks in the league. When he gets a full offseason of Pete Carroll giving him initiation in zone defense, he's going to be a complete corner. Right now, he is a solid, athletic, man-to-man corner that can't really play zone. Eric, if you could choose how many um, snaps linebackers other than K.J. Wright and Bobby <laughs> Wagner play in a game, how many would you pick? Uh, t- t- ten to twelve. Yeah, well, you got your wish. This game, it was six. Yep. Wow. And Bradley, uh, I did not expect it to be that low. Ninety-two percent nickel. Um, I had no idea it was gonna be that we're low. Finally, we're finally doing it. We're finally like, you know what? We're done. <laughs> Let's just put Coleman, Griffin, and Sherman on the field all the time. Not McDougald. Uh, McDougald has just not established himself on this team. I well, think part of that might be the fact that uh, they were in three wide receiver sets for a lot of the game, though. Yeah. Nathan, I would like to ask this question while you have stats up. Do we have the time of possession in this game? Because yeah, I did we, not pay attention. We won time we of possession, and time of possession was won by us 31-16 to 28-44. So okay. basically even. Um, one thing that's good about that, though, is this was coming into the game the highest scoring offense in the entire league. So yeah. it's it's fine. To, 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 to beat them on time of possession is very good. Pluses all around. Coming into this game, uh, Goff was seven touchdowns versus one interception. In this game, he was zero touchdowns versus two. Uh, he also completed only forty six percent of his passes in this game compared to sixty seven. Is like sixty something? Yeah, it was sixty. He's also down to six point one yards per attempt, which he was up around eight or so. I thought earlier in the year, like that's 
he was forced yeah, his, to make shorter throws. Yeah, his average, even including this game, is still eight point three. So yeah, so that's that tells you something. So he was a couple yards under. Uh, Todd, Todd Gurley got shut down. Fourteen carries for forty three yards, three point one yards per carry. He only caught two out of four targets for seven yards. This was a guy that was getting fifty yards a game in the in the past game. Right. He had it was his low his lowest catch production this season by twenty nine yards. Uh, the first game this season, he only had 40 rushing yards as well, but he had 56 yards in the past game to make up for it. This game, not the case. Also, they won that game 46-9, and they just took him out of the game because <laughs> the, they were kicking the crap out of the out of the Colts. Scott Tolzien, uh, I don't know why they ever even tried. Yeah, this is an interestingly bend but don't break. You know, this, yeah, they gave uh, up the, some yards. Yep, the defense gave up some yards. Uh, I thought Sheldon Richardson in the second half came alive. And played like every bit the acquisition we thought we were making. In the second half of games, we always make those adjustments. And the team plays better in the second half. And Sheldon Richardson proved that because he was, he was just kind of he was kind of there. Hey, what? I have a question for you guys. <laughs> Young Sheldon Richardson. <laughs> I, I, know dare you. I know we're off offense, but how many hurries and hits do you think Aaron Donald had in this game? 72. I already know, so I can't say it. It's 10. 10. It's that's so ridiculous. many. That's, that's like probably as many as – that's probably close to as many as we had the whole game. It and might be. That's that's nuts. That's, that's, that's not good. That's literally insane. Uh, Kevin Frank Clark, uh, first, uh, he got the 11th sack that Andrew Whitworth has given up in the last three seasons, which is pretty cool because uh, that, that guy is awesome. He also didn't get a sack for the strip, which is weird. But uh, So that didn't count as a strip sack. So that forced fumble was not a sack. So he got a sack and a forced fumbled. Yeah. Yep, I agree. I mean, interesting. Uh, he, he ruined Tavon Austin's day repeatedly which i'm always a fan of anytime you can do that um todd Gurley probably sees him in his nightmares listen i'm not we talked about time of possession against this rams offense and the, they were the number one in the league i'm sorry what did you say nathan Top? number one scoring you okay i i don't think that that's going to stay all year but i i'm sorry i'm going to continue to give the rams credit partially because it makes us look good but this rams team like they played some bad teams but we played some bad teams and didn't score as much this Rams team is is functional under their non Jeff Fisher coaching staff. Uh, we were talking about this McVeigh, really yeah, good play yeah. caller. Yeah, yeah. he, he understood how to get his tight and ends and slot receivers he, he open. Knew, he knew how to protect his bad quarterback too. Like he knows what he's doing. Like Goff is still not very good, but Goff is Andy Dalton. Goff, I am convinced. Goff of this has now. made like made a lot of really bad throws. Everyone who watched the game knows. Like they, there was a lot of duck throws in that game. And he just he just went. For the, it. the best of all throw, ducks went to Earl Thomas. That throw to Earl Thomas might be <laughs> the worst football I've seen someone I'm intentionally imp- throw forward. I'm impressed Earl caught that. That you know how hard that ball is to catch. It looked like. Uh, do you remember the bats that they made when we were kids? That like when you hit it, they like <laughs> flubbered. It looked like some. What were, what were those called? Like I know uh, exactly, like the football boggle bats, bats yeah. or whatever those are called. It looked like funk a uh, fungo. The fungo bats. Okay. It looked like somebody hit a football with a fungo bat. And somehow Earl just cleanly fields it. Yeah, it was impressive. All right. So let's um let's let's wrap let's put the wraps on that game, I think. Is there anything else we need to cover, Eric, before we move on? No man. Ke- Eric, Kevin? We covered all three phases all right, in that so review. Alright, so here's Rare. what I want you guys to do. For our usually we'd hear we talk about the next game, maybe a little bit about our future opponent and give our picks. Um, instead, I'm just going to tell you guys the rest of the schedule, and secretly, I would like you to just mark down how many losses you expect the Seahawks to get the rest of the season, which will give you your record for the rest of the season, okay? So here we go. We go. We have the bye. Coming off the bye, we travel to New York to play the Giants. We go versus Houston, versus Washington, versus Atlanta, at San Francisco, versus Philadelphia, at Jacksonville, versus LA, at Dallas, versus Arizona. So that's 11 games. So figure out how many losses you had in that stretch. And then tell me, Kevin, what record do you expect from the Seahawks over the rest of the season? Well, considering you went too fast and I couldn't mark it down. <laughs> All I did was say make a tally mark when, in the game that you think will lose. Would you Would you like to run we, through that list one more time? Okay. No. <laughs> Eric. Then I don't know. Eric, okay. how about you? All right. Uh, since Kevin... Kevin didn't do it. I'm going to give you two answers. Okay. If I'm being optimistic, meaning the way we played this Sunday against the Rams uh-huh. is how we're going to go forward, we have three more losses on the schedule. Which are, which the losses on the schedule you think would be what? At Jacksonville, at Dallas? No, versus, at, no, versus, no. At Jacksonville is a possibility. Okay. 
I can handle it this way even. I won't even go the other way. I'll just say the possible losses at Jacksonville. That defense is insane at creating turnovers mm-hmm. and scoring off those turnovers. They also don't have a quarterback. Don't forget that. This this is true, but I'm talking just the defense. They do have Kevin's best friend, uh, Leonard Fournette, though. Um, Kevin's like Kevin's nodding vigorously. <laughs> we have the Atlanta Falcons on the schedule. But that's at home on Monday night. I, this team plays very good in primetime. I know, but this is still the Atlanta Falcons. And remember how that game ended last year? Uh-huh. They have something they want to prove. Uh, that playoff game was probably not enough for them. Uh, either the Washington or the Philly game bothers me. Um, I'm not saying that either of those are wins or losses on the schedule. I'm just saying their games to circle is... You know, that will be a test. How bad are those teams? How here, good is this team? Here is what I love about our remaining schedule, Eric, and you're digging at it right now. I get I got it's one a, it's on the periphery. Wait, wait. I'm you're digging at it. All the games that are tough, where where are they being played? Are they being being played here in Seattle? They're being played at Century Link Field. Houston, I got one one more Atlanta, where our offensive line doesn't suck. Where is Houston being played? Here. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's it's not at the NERG. It's the Nerge Stadium. I just have energy stadium. When I think about the Texans, I I get so much. I'm filled with so much NRG. Uh oh, I I picked up a microphone and that's going to blow everyone's ears out. Sorry in advance. That's just the part where I picked it up. Either way, so I have four losses. Kevin has four. Oh, Kevin, I'm going ten and six. Okay, so what are those? What are those? Are those games that I listed? I think that uh, Atlanta. I'm going to count as a loss right now. I could see us winning, but I think it's a loss. Sure, tough game. Um, Dallas, I think, could have things going by then. I'd worry about them. It depends on how much our offense is going. And if Sean Lee gets healthy, that makes the defense good again. I think that's a fair concern, Kevin. I'm just counting on Dallas continuing to not put it all together. Jacksonville's stupid, and all of their games are stupid, and stupid things happen in their stupid games. So we might lose that stupid game to stupid Jacksonville. (laughs) That's, have I, have that's, I mentioned their games are stupid? That's a very succinct point. Thursday, uh, November 9th, Kevin, at Arizona. How do you feel about that one? I think that that's a win, that, honestly. Those Thursday night games are nuts. Because we don't have Hauschka kicking. And, you know, Hauschka had a problem kicking in Arizona. Now, here's the thing. I think between Arizona and Jacksonville, we'll probably lose one of those. I think between Philly and Washington, we probably lose one of those. So it's more like out of these six games, probably we lose four of them. I mean, it's possibly lose all six, but I would be very surprised. I don't think this defense will let that happen. I marked down eight and eight and three, and I'm expecting eleven and five. I'm with you. There's yeah, I have ten and six. The for home the, same reason. the home games are are tough, but that gives us a better chance to win them. This if, offensive if, line is functional at home. If you switched all the home and away games, if we had to go to Philadelphia, to Atlanta, to Washington, to that'd Houston, be a lot harder. That'd be a murderer's row. I think we'd lose three or four of those games. But getting them all at home is very helpful for this team. The offense functions better at home, and so does the defense. So, yep, that's where I'm at. Eric, what was your final record? Uh, what is that? Five losses, 11 and five, 11 or possibly five. 10 and You're six. You're right there with me. All right. Yep. Oh, with both of us. You're yeah. to- You're- I think we're, we're, all, we're all very close. You're toeing we're- the line. We're differing on games. Now, that's coming back from 13 and three and we we all, before yeah, the season. That's a thing. The thing that happened with us, I think, is we all – Agree now that the offense is not functioning at a high enough level for this team to go thirteen and three anymore, we or twelve and four. This team will will very likely have to play in the first round of the playoffs. Though I don't know at eleven and five, if you look at the parity in this NFC, who's running away with it? This is very true. Who's, Nobody looks really really good in the NFC. Okay, well Atlanta, Atlanta, Green Bay, Carolina. Like I like all three of those teams to be to be twelve and four ish. Twelve and four, eleven and five is twelve and four ish. Right, that's the thing with that. I just see I mean, us the a number step two seed is not completely out of the question, and you really have that much faith in, faith in Carolina, Nathan. I do. Okay, until Keekley gets injured. Good, good teams win games that they're not supposed to, and that is so. What, where does Carolina come? That is that? what Carolina is doing. Except for they went into New England and won, which we know we did that. That is a hard thing to do. That is not. That is that is Different not. Teams, it is though. Though. They're Different doing teams. such a great job. Of setting up their fan base to be disappointed when they fall apart and miss the sure, but they beat fourth quarter. They beat fourth quarter Stafford. And that's funny. I hear that's, that's tough to do. I hear Cam Newton is injured and that Cam Newton is getting better each game, but Cam Newton keeps taking big hits. I don't think he's getting you know healthier each game. I just I don't know, man. I feel like that's a paper tiger, paper lion. Paper well, we'll see this week against the Eagles. That's a two four and one teams, and the both teams are, have looked very good so far this season. The Eagles defense. Is a uh, is that pass is, rush is real. very 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 good, and then Carson Wentz is perhaps the luckiest person I've ever seen play football. So those two things combined, I don't know. Sky's the limit, I guess. He's a winner. He wins. 
Yeah. That's his best stat. Quarterback wins. Yeah. Well, I mean, if we're going to talk about weird that's NFL the only stats, one that matters, Kevin. That's a. That's the, the fact the that in the AFC, no team has more than three wins except for Kansas City. <laughs> Kansas City's my favorite. They're dumb. Damn. They're Jacksonville dumb. They're gonna go. <laughs> I hope they start nine and zero again and then finish the season ten and six. That would just be. That would just be the best. I hope they start eleven and zero, win, uh, lose five straight, and still get the number one seed. I'm just mad because that would be really because if dumb. Kansas City's offense wasn't so good, maybe my Pat Mahomes prediction wouldn't be so garbage. That was a garbage prediction. <laughs> hey, it was I bold, already man. said it. You can't. You can't just say it too. A bold prediction it needs is to be said twice. If you think that uh, that uh, Deshaun Kaiser doesn't look ready, go back and watch those preseason games. Hey, with man, Mahomes. bold predictions are right. meant to be bold. Man. Yeah, I, would, not going I was. To happen. I was trying to go bold. I honestly just liked the odds. That he had very good odds for for he was like fifty to one or something. Anyone who knows who listens to this podcast knows that bold predictions only work when I'm picking against the Texans. <laughs> or when you just do the opposite of what Brett says. Which yes. Or that, which, that makes it less bold directly. Which I said uh, I didn't say to the group, but in my heart I was like JJ Watt and Whitney Murasillis are going to die this year. And it happened. Sorry. All right. Let's uh let's wrap up that one. Uh, we those, that's our Seahawks predicted records for the rest of the season. Um, Kevin, I'm gonna ask you a Kevin specific question. All and right. I want you to just give me like two words and a short description. What's your middle name? In your dreams, the Seahawks have any draft pick they want. They can just pick anyone they want. What college football player would you like think would have the biggest impact for the Seattle Seahawks? Trey Adams, left tackle, University of Washington. All right. I was gonna pick Saquon Barkley because. He's just so incredible. Saquon Barkley <laughs> runs hot and cold. Yeah, but he's he's like he's Ze- a great he's a great player. He is hot and cold. He's like Zeke Elliott. When I watch him on the football field, though, he looks like he does all the things that an NFL running back does already. Does that oh, make sense? I thought you were gonna say when he wears small T-shirts, he looks like one of the cheerleaders from the longest yard. <laughs> that's a good idea, but no, I I I, uh, I think that's what that's what Zeke he, Elliott makes me think of. He blocks like a like you'd expect an NFL running back to do. He catches passes. He's a complete back, and he he's, should be a top ten. Pick. He's already ready to be an NFL player. There's very. That's the thing that I think that people forget about running backs in college is a lot of these guys are not ready to play because they don't do the little things. They're not three down backs. Yeah. Yep. They're just like there's like they're they're missing the details. They can't block or they can't do they can't, they can't catch. take routes. They don't yeah. know how to run a good route. Um Sa- Saquon Barkley is ready to do all of those things. And I'm I mean, yeah, it's not the best scheme fit, right? Like, yeah, some guy like you said, or maybe like Cody O'Connell from Washington State also, like a guy like just a big That's going to be like a great lineman. third third or fourth round pick, yeah. yeah. Whoever, no, he's not going to Yeah, he is. You really think so? Yep. Like, is it just because he's slow? The offensive guard uh, he's, he was scheme a pre- in Wazoo. He's a preseason All-American. Like, he's going to be like a third round pick. He's like six foot nine. Yep. Mount that's, Cody, yep. That's, that's dumb. That is dumb. That's the NFL draft. Welcome to the draft. Draft is dumb. <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't the, get that at all. The thing that's going to be funny about Saquon Barkley is some team is going to pick him in the top five and immediately win like six more games because of it. Some other team is going to pick Josh Rosen and still go like three and 13 <laughs> right afterwards. And you're going to be sitting there going, hmm, maybe you should just pick really good players. Here's, here's my Josh Rosen thing. You ready? If your college football coach is like hard addicted to running a pro style offense, and they switch out of a pro style offense to accommodate your skills. This well, no, no, no. Their offensive line and running game is garbage. So what? That's though? why they switched. I know, but like the fact that like this quarterback, they switched to the air raid because Jim Moore is a terrible coach and he couldn't throw his kicker under the bus this time. Yeah, it's like it's not good. They're they're in big trouble. Josh Rosen. I don't like UCLA at all this year. They're Josh terrible. Rosen's early career is going to look a lot like Matt Stafford. He's going to throw tons of picks because he just trusts his arm more than he should. Hey, uh, so also, picks. the Baker Mayfield hype train didn't just derail. It went clear off the... the it ran ra- into a cyclone. It wasn't his fault that they lost that game. That's all in the defense. Uh, but but Baker Mayfield... Because Iowa State's mascots the Cyclones. Yeah. I, oh, I, I know, I know. I just, <laughs> I just, I just, high five. No one else is going to say it. I'm giving it to me. All right. I, I'm gonna, I was going to let it go. Uh, this is turning into college football talk. And, uh, yes, it is. I watched a surprisingly large amount of college football this Saturday. because it's more entertaining than NFL. And I enjoyed most of it. It is, it's more, more entertaining, but slightly more exploitative, if that's even possible. <laughs> I don't even think slightly. <laughs> like, I, the NFL is already so exploitative, and then this is, yeah, this even, is more. even more. It's like, it's like they oh, don't even pay the players. I feel even dirtier watching it. You know why I watch so much college football? It's because I went to Buffalo Wild Wings with my dad and watched the UFC. And saw B-dubs, the great, dubs. Saw the greatest armbar in UFC history. That was really sick. Uh, 253 zone, Demetrius Johnson. Hope you're listening, Demetrius. You're the best. All right. Uh, the... Let's go to the money zone. The money zone, you can give us your money directly by heading to patreon.com slash Seahawks Nest. Wait, 
But there's other ways to support us, too. In fact, the best way, Kevin, is what? Well, that would be if you want to listen to the award-winning Seahawks Nest podcast, <laughs> then you need to get yourself over to King Five's Best of Western Washington page and under, was it Arts and Entertainment? Yeah, because, podcast. Because this is fine art right here. I would say that we're definitely not in the entertainment category. Clearly art. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you can go to podcasts and vote for the Seahawks Nest podcast. Which I have not done yet. Dude, my- so you know that we're being <laughs> honest about who loves this podcast. Okay, and I can tell you guys, we get about 500 listeners a week, okay? And I know for a fact, because I know I'm tangentially connected to the person who won best uh, reporter last year. And he won with 168 votes. So all I need is one out of every three of you mother effers to go on this website and vote. And then I will put that certificate on my wall and I will just... T- you know, I will take a million pictures with get it. Get the web address, man. Hey, get, and also, we'll get people. a picture that spell actually has the three the people that talk on the podcast. <laughs> give this, spell King, it out. King5.secondstreetapp.com slash best dash of dash western dash Washington dash 2017 So go to king5.com. <laughs> go, or Google. Go to the Facebook. Go to our Facebook page. I posted it. Actually, I'll post it again. And I'll also the, post, post it on Twitter. The show notes. I'll also post it on Twitter. And yeah, I'll post it in the show notes. That there, there. So that'll be a bunch of places for you. And you know what? Especially what you should do is figure out a way to take away votes from Hawkblogger. Because I feel like that's our, <laughs> I feel like that's that's our biggest competition. He won last year. I don't even. He had his turn. Yeah. If you look at all the other podcasts, our like, time. I don't know. Our time is I now. Think, I don't think anyone's listened to the Krusty Mustard Cap show. So I think our biggest competition's got to be Hawkblogger. Another thing we have to compete against. Is the fact that it looks like a producer submitted all of the information for all these other podcasts, and ours is just like a link to our SoundCloud page? <laughs> Rude. This, is, this is grassroots, folks. It's because we because we didn't we didn't, uh, we didn't uh, get it in there in time. Whatever, who cares? Um, Come on, Brett. Yeah, this is the best one. Um, to vote, vote for it. You you guys love it. We love it. Um, this award would mean a lot to me. And in in I know it's really stupid. But I'm like hyper. But we really like stupid things. Uh, 19 days to go. You should know that. You can only vote once. Uh, so just, just so vote. create multiple emails. So vote once or create 50 <laughs> emails. Also, every time you enter, you get a chance to win a $10,000 gift card to Honda Seattle, which is the prize. I don't know. Who cares? All right. See you, you guys. Buy a day woo. We're gonna get out of there. Uh, also, <laughs> you know what? Five stars. Five stars on iTunes. Thumbs up us on SoundCloud and uh, Twitter. Tweet uh, us, won't you? Be be cool like uh, other people. Uh, Brian, Brian, our, our friend Brian G, who who gives us all the thumbs up. I like that guy. Yeah, uh, Augustine. Augustine, Argentinian twelfth man contingency. Yeah, Augustine, whose country qualified for the World Cup and ours didn't. Uh, <laughs> <sighs> oh, I didn't want to get into it, but wow, we're such a backwater here in America. All right, let's uh, let's spend eight minutes talking about a horror movie because it is the month of October. We're going to talk about a recent movie that approached the, approached the horror genre. In a way that was both refreshing and innovative. Let's talk about It Follows. Eric. Yeah. You've seen It Follows. I have. What what's the what's the basic premise of this movie? Do you feel like we should give away the premise? Because I'm this movie kind of flew under the radar a little bit. I just I gotta say something. Last week we were like, we're gonna go full spoilers on Sicario, and then we talked about a couple scenes but didn't talk about the end and really didn't spoil anything. Do you want to spoil things? Do you want to, do you want to go over the full premise? Because let's, I feel like right, that's important let's to do talk this. about. Let's do this. This movie is available, last check, on Netflix currently. Yes. Okay, let's do this. I'm going to tell you what I like about this movie that has nothing to do with the plot. Should we all do like a David, quick spoiler-free? David yes. Robert David Robert Mitchell films this way using a ton of like wide-angle lenses and really cool and has a really cool aesthetic. Like the there's these long wide angle shots that look really really good and though they add to the fear the movie's called it follows so obviously something's following someone but when you see it in the background following and you're just like oh dang and the, a lot of times the shot will be really wide and you won't notice it until like you're a few seconds in the shot and then you see something moving in the background and you're like oh no uh-uh yeah it's back there like it's like it, it starts the tension in your body like you start to tense up and uh I'm not gonna like, like I said. We'll we'll do a spoilery version in just a sec. Kevin, is there any spoiler-free thoughts you have? Yeah, I would like to say that this movie touches on something that is near and dear to my heart. As Nathan knows, as Eric likely knows at this point, the jump scare I do not value. The ambiance scare 
is the heist movie of horror. The jump scare isn't really a horror thing, right, Kevin? It's more like a, it's a boo. Yeah, the jump scare can work to set you up in a way, but it's overexploited. When you rely there are on good, it, this is one movie. of the best ambiance movies that's come out in probably the last. There two are decades. good movies that have jump scares. I'll use Get Out as an example. There are two jump scares in that movie. Uh, it's still good. This movie has a couple. This yeah, movie it just, has a couple. But those, um, the thing is, these films uh, aren't the original. On. Halloween has multiple, but that's an ambiance scare the, movie. The movie Jaws. Stephen King's It, yes. the new one, has too many jump scares. They went too hard on it. It, it lowered my enjoyment of the movie. And yeah, because a jump scare, what a jump scare does is it takes you out of the movie for a second. It follows, pulls you in it's with a those cre- wide just, angle shots, yeah. really good sound, mm-hmm. um, excellent lighting, and it trickles in these things where, like what Nathan said, the tension is constantly built and you feel like yeah, just... No- Notable, Threats are around every corner. Notable chiptune artist Disaster Piece actually made the soundtrack, and it, you're right. It's like this. Uh, it's like this atmospheric electronic music that is really, really cool. It's very subtle. It it's very unsettling in the way that it kind of appears at the beginning of the movie and doesn't ever leave. There's no. This may not be a spoiler per se, but there's no. Uh, there's no getting away from that theme, that music, the whole movie. It's not like, oh, it's gone, everything's fine. No, it's the entire movie is just riddled with the sound of the of the movie. All the right, and from this point forward, we're going to go into spoilers. So what I would do is I'd say pause the podcast, go watch the movie, and then come back because after after this we'll be uh, we'll be talking about it. So let me talk about some of the ways that this. Wait, do you want me to give you the succinct plot yeah, do, now? Do premise. Do just give the basic premise. Okay, so premise is uh, this girl's sleeping with a guy. Uh, you know, she's hooking up with this dude, whatever. Well, even they, bef- they go. Wait, even before that, there's a thing. Before that, oh, you want to go before beginning, yeah, beginning? There's a woman, and she's running on the it, beach. It sets it up, and she's just and she's running and running, and and she's screaming, and she's like freaking out, and, then and she's she, running in circles. She she ends up like lost, and she panics, and she's calling her parents. And the next morning, you see her body, and it's just like super mutilated. It's like broken, messed up. Yes, yeah. Okay, so. Then fast forward, yes, to this girl who is, uh, you know, hooking up with this guy, and it's is high it, schoolers or just post high school. Is it that night or the next night? It's that night, that guy basically chains her to a chair. You thinking he's going to do all these terrible things to her, and he takes her to, like this abandoned building, and uh, he's like, you know, he's explaining something to yeah, her. Yeah, they have like, sex, and he chloroforms her after. Yeah, the that's sex. right. Yes, and he. He basically is explaining this to her. I it's basically I have this disease and it's not so much an STD. It's an STD, but it's it's not a disease. It's something chases you, and and it's always he said he explains it. Like, yes, the thing is he explains it perfectly. He's like he's like it's always walking, but it always knows where you are and it constantly goes towards you. Yeah, and it's not it's not it won't get there faster, but it will eventually get to you. So and it, explains how it'll change forms. It can look yes. like anything. Sometimes it'll be familiar. Sometimes it won't. But you'll you'll know what you'll know that it's it. Yeah, and you the only way to get rid of it is to pass it to someone else. But he warns her, "Don't let it get you, because then it will come after me." Meaning that this guy had had sex with this other girl. Uh, it fought, it caught up to her, killed her, and now it was catching going after him again. So he passed it on to someone else. And that's the idea. Is it's it's a very subtle thing in this movie that is not so subtle, and that's you know STDs can't get rid of them. They're, right, the gift keeps on giving. Yeah. Uh, there's another piece in here, and that is it shows them on a date before this, before they have sex, they go on a date, they go to the movies, they go have dinner, and it's one of those things where like he's being a really charming guy. It looks like it's going well, except. Yo, he's looking around a lot. It looks like something yes. shady's happening. And then in the th- he sees a woman in the back of the theater, and he's like, "We gotta go." And she's like, "What?" Are you it's talking like, about the beginning of the movie? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, no, no, we gotta go. We gotta go. And so they end up leaving, and it's a little bit confusing. But then he acts perfectly normal after get back in the car. Yeah. And so it's kind of you're sitting there going like, "What's going on with this guy?" And that's why when it does get to the part where suddenly he's like in the trunk, and she's laying in the back seat after. Uh, in the postcoital bliss, and I, uh, you're sitting there like, 
is he getting a tire iron out? This seems like it's going to go in a really bad place. And then it's like you hear him like pop the uh, tops on a beer. And you're like, oh, okay. All right, this is fine. And they chloroforms, and you're like, this is all wrong again. What like? And then it's her waking up tied to the office chair. And this movie, the roller coaster starts, like Nathan said, from the very beginning yeah. on the beach. And that's brutal. And it never stops. And, and it, you, you see more. You see more things happening without giving away everything. This movie then has to go to... Uh, you know them trying to figure out how to stop this. Is it real? They pass it on to yeah, the like to she, the neighborhood. Dude, she kind of wonders if it's real. I mean, let's be honest though. This movie is about like the visual style and the three hundred and sixty degree pans and stuff like that. Like the the plot is cool and it, there's disturbing imagery, but like if it wasn't for those wide shots, this movie would not work. Oh, when it pans back and it's standing on the roof. Yeah, if in the form you, of an ugly you, naked or guy. Or when you just you you see like they're at the college, you know, and you you see them and they're walking and talking, and then it starts to pan out and turn a little bit, and you just see in the background there's someone like kind of stumbling towards them, and you're just like, damn it, like, yeah, <laughs> like, like you're like, no. Well, the director clearly had a, a vision, or the he had a he had a vision for I don't know if it was his story or for someone else wrote it and he picked he, it up. He wrote it, but he was this movie would not have happened without the director because, like you said, those 360 degree pans, they're a lot of when those, they're at the beach, yeah, they're they're oh, meant man. to they're meant to keep you in it as if you're part of the of right, the movie. Like, the way like you if you were actually there, head. you'd turn around really quickly. If something was constantly following, <sighs> yep. it's truly just it takes on some truly disturbing imagery forms. Like you know, just be like a woman who's just like peeing her pants and like like yep. some real weird stuff happens. Yeah, or when it's the one guy's mom, <clears throat> yeah, and it to- that totally fucks him up. Or uh, the one that gets me though, the the scene that really messes me up. When she's in, when she uh, drives off, and she's going to do the heroic thing and separate herself from the group, and then kind of get it away from him and everything, and then she crashes, and she's in the hospital, and the whole time that she's in the hospital, like from the first moment they show that's going to happen, you're just like, she can't move, yeah. she's bottlenecked. There's no other way out. She's hooked up to all the machines, and you're just sitting there, full of dread, and. They keep doing these shots where it shoots the outside of the hospital, and you can see, like, her room, and it's lit up, and you're like, oh, God, what window is it going to be walking past that you know it's coming, you know? It's, man, it builds that, like, it builds that dread, and and the shots are designed to build the dread. And then I'm not sure about the end of the movie, you know, they, like, they, like, try to kill it, but then afterwards you see, like, something walking behind them in the distant background, uh, the two main characters and you're like oh is that still it um the i think what's cool is that they have an uh, they have an idea for a sequel that seems really neat which is that the, the main characters they're gonna try to follow the chain back and figure out who's how it started interesting That's i would so definitely hard. watch that. And that maybe that movie would be called follow it because <laughs> I, I can't think of anything else you'd call it like, uh, like that. followers it followers we That's, follow T O O. I mean, the director already has a, another movie coming out, an upcoming movie that is not related at all. It's a neo crime thriller. It's called Under the Silver Lake. Stars Andrew Garfield, who I think is fantastic. Riley Keough, Chauffeur Grace, um, some other actors. That That's you, an appealing sounding movie. Yeah. I like. Uh, I like. Um, there's not much uh, in here about what it is actually about. Just that it's a crime neo noir crime thriller. Which those are all words I like together. Yep. Uh, Disaster Piece also made the music for this, and A24 will be distributing, which means it will not get a big, wide release. So if you want to see it, you're going to have to go to an art house theater. Um, A24 doesn't really do giant releases. And this is his first writing credit and directing credit since It Follows. So he seems like a kind of a one-project person at a time. Yeah, he's an auteur. He wants to make the movies for the art. He doesn't want to just crap out a, a bunch of stuff. Which, I mean, if you do it as well as It Follows, then go for it. Yeah. Because I would say that movie, as much as a horror movie can be, it follows his art. And, it's uh, artistically done. Yeah, I don't know much about Under the Silver Lake. Like, I'm, it's hard to find out more stuff about it. Like, I've just you can find out who's in the cast. Uh, you can find out it got bought by A24, but not much else. Just 2018 release as of right now. Yeah. So that's something to look. And there's for. a character named Balloon Girl. What? Sold. Yeah. Grace Van Patten plays Balloon Girl. Yeah, well, I'm more excited for Jeremy Bob as songwriter Kevin, if I'm being completely honest. All right, anyway, for Kevin Garber, for Eric Ronenbeck, I'm Nathan Santo, and we will see you all next week for some more podcast and actual 
in an actual Seahawks game. Gawks. Oh, 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 o